One more item. Here's something a lot of us have in common. Broken appliances. Broken air conditioner. Broken down heating system. Broken down washer dryer. Broken down refrigerator. And if you're a homeowner, you know just how expensive it is to get one of those things fixed, let alone what happens if more than one appliance breaks down at the same time. Well, if you're a homeowner, you can get all of your appliances on a warranty plan that guarantees protection for all of your home appliances in case they break down. And best of all, it will only cost you about a dollar a day. Call the Home Service Club at 800-264-3168, 800-264-3168. The call is free, and if you're one of the first 25 callers, your first month membership in the Home Service Club will also be free. Home Service Club, warranty plan, Guarantees protection for all of your appliances for less than a dollar a day. 800-264-3168. 800-264-3168. Hi, this is Jim Peck, and you're listening to TV Confidential. Ed Robertson welcoming you back to TV Confidential, radio talk show about television that will play part two of our conversation with Steve Beverly, Steve Beverly, Professor of Communications at Union University, Jackson, Tennessee, where he coordinates the broadcast journalism major and serves as the daily supervisor for the daily student-produced newscast Jackson 24-7. We're talking off mic, Steve. Um, if, if there's anything positive to come from a pandemic, and I use that word very carefully, it has given your students an opportunity to cover a major news story in real time every week as they are completing their college education. Unquestionably. And it was a, let's just say this, it was a challenge to all of us who were college faculty when we knew in mid-March that we were going to have to go virtual. Uh, it is, I, I would venture to say, it's tough in two ways. One, for faculty that don't use technology very much mm -hmm. in their classroom and their daily efforts. And for them to get up to snuff, and it, it had to be done in a very quick turnaround time. Uh, for them to do that, that was a big challenge. But in my area, of course, I'm around technology all the time, so mm -hmm. that was not a big deal mm -hmm. to me. What the big deal was, was making the adjustment to the fact that most of what I teach is in my studio, and it's it was a very tough thing to figure out, okay, what is it and how are we going to try to replicate uh, particularly a reporting class or, or one that, and we have a digital platform now called West Tennessee Today, mm -hmm. uh, but how are we going to do this without us all being in the same room and, and, you know, dealing with our assignments? And so the best thing that I think I did was I told them, uh, we, we learned on a Thursday that we were not going to be continuing in person the following Monday. Shows you how quick it was, and and so what? What I told I told my uh, my students it was one week away from spring break. I said, "Here's what we're going to do: you're going to be off this week with me while I think this thing through, and then when we come back after spring break, I'll have a game plan." Mm -hmm. But it's too fast for me in four days to have this figure out and do it right. So. 
I, it gave me time to just pause and think, okay, how are we going to do this? And so we, we fortunately came up with a plan. We used uh, YouTube as our, our platform. But I had students in as many as nine different states uh, in, in, in 11 different cities. And that was my reporting class. And so what we did with them is that we had them to post their assignments on a YouTube channel. And then I edited them together that evening. And somehow in the post-spring break period, uh, those young people ended up doing 36 newscasts that uh, covered our city and county, even though a lot of the things that were going on they weren't physically here, but they were able to get in on Zoom meetings, mm -hmm. of city council meetings, and, and daily health department briefings dealing with the pandemic. So what they learned is the same type of thing that professionals were having to do by working from home mm -hmm. all over America. Uh, you had reporters who were not coming into the station, but were working out of their homes having to use their laptop or their iPads as their tools of reporting. And whereas, okay, visually, there may have been some things that weren't as creative as what the standard level of performance is, viewers began to accept that because they understood everybody was in something that they had never faced before. Mm -hmm. So they learned, my students learned, how to be able to still get stories covered by using the tools that were available to them. Now, if, if we had had the same thing to happen even 20 years ago, we could have pulled that off. Yeah. But today, the technology allows us to do that. And frankly, for me, I thought it was one of the great experiences I've ever had in teaching because I saw us turn what could have been a, a big negative into a huge positive. Yes, to turn a phrase that came up in our conversation a few weeks ago about uh, Roy Orbison, you turn lemons into lemonade. That's it. <laughs> I mean, and it, and it really is. And the thing is, is seeing the buy-in from these students as they saw their work come together each evening online. And, and what I also then, with, with one other class, uh, I turned Thursday into Terrific Thursday, and what we did for seven consecutive weeks is that I called on some people that were friends uh, professionally uh, and had them to do a Zoom session with them during their regular class time. I had Tim Brando, the uh, Fox Sportscaster, uh, Peter King from CBS Radio News. I had some people who were local newscasters that were dealing with a lot of the adjustments that my students were. And so every single Thursday, they had somebody who was a very solid professional that gave them professional advice and perspective that they may not have even come close to having if we had been in a con in conventional classroom. So it, I really owe a lot to those people who agreed to do that. But it meant a lot to see how much they drank in from this uh, as we did that every Thursday. Steve Beverly teaches broadcast journalism at Union University in Jackson, Tennessee. He also serves as the supervisor for the Daily. Student-produced 
newscast Jackson 24-7. He is talking about the challenges of teaching his journalism students virtually in this era of COVID-19 lockdown. As we have this conversation, Steve is a few weeks away from starting the fall semester at Union University. Okay, so you had to pause and reset, you know, midstream in order to figure out, okay, how are we going to complete the curriculum given the circumstances and given the realities that we're all facing right now. Now, it's a little, I'm guessing it's a little bit different um, in that you have an opportunity now to plan what you're going to do since, at least for the foreseeable future, the entire semester is going to be virtual, correct? Well, that's not so. Now, having said that, we are scheduled to go back into conventional in-person learning with heavy social distancing, okay. uh, professors wearing much more PPE than we have ever anticipated we would. <laughs> it's not going to be just the mask. We're going to be wearing face shields as well. Yeah. Uh, but uh, it, it, let's just say this. This is going to be an attempt. I cannot say that I am terribly confident that we are going to end up the entire semester in class. Uh, and the reason I'm saying that is because in our county where we are located, uh, we have had a significant spike in numbers yeah. uh, across the board, and it is such that we have been declared a red zone within our state as far as increasing cases of coronavirus. Now. Having said that, uh, a lot of the planning as far as reopening the university in-house was done when our numbers had dipped extremely low mm -hmm. in mid-June. And it looked as though we were on such a downward trend that uh, we were, if not conquering this, that we were really at a point where uh, the nerves had somewhat released, and of course then Tennessee began to reopen uh, in a number of situations, probably far more so than in California. But long story short out of it is that we are going to try to come back, but everybody has a dual plan as to if, let's just say, we got into this and we had an outbreak within two, three weeks, and all of a sudden the decision had to be made to go back virtual. It is such that it would not be nearly as traumatic or as much of an adjustment as it was in March when we literally, everybody is prepared yeah. for the fact that we may have to go back the other way. So it, it is not going to be nearly, and I'm, I, I already have my plan in that's already etched, and in fact I've, I've let my students know that I'm gonna be having in these classes of what we do as a backup plan if the university suddenly says we got to send everybody home. So it sounds like, assuming that the situation doesn't change between now and when classes start in uh, late August, it sounds like you and your colleagues are as ready as you can be and as confident as you can be uh, resuming live classes practicing uh, social distancing and all the precautions, but are ready to go to plan B at the drop of a mic. I, I think so. I, the, the thing is, you are dealing with 18 to 22-year-olds. Mm -hmm. 
and you can do everything in the world to stress, and particularly with the freshmen when they come in for their orientation a few days early. You can do everything in the world to stress to them what is essential as far as protocol. Mm -hmm. But they love to gather with each other. They love to be in groups. And you, you just have to know that it is you cannot monitor this 24-7. Yeah. And, and so the, the very real possibility that we have to live with is that there could be an outbreak that would occur. One, one advantage we have is that our dorms are actually suites in which each student has its own, it's a four-person suite, but each student has its own bedroom compartment. So it is, it is very different from what many people remember as a traditional dorm room where you were just, you know, you maybe had two small bunks that were across from each other. And, and that was it. But ours are, are where you could potentially isolate somebody relatively safely if they were to come down with the coronavirus. It's the same way that would happen if, if somebody came down with uh, the flu, strep mm-hmm. throat, something like this. But I think we do live in this time in every university in America, and there are many who have decided that, okay, virtual is what we're going to start back with. But I think uh, many universities across the country are dealing with the very real concept that we may be, if we are starting in class, that we may not finish in class because of just nobody has a real handle on what this virus is going to do. It sounds like, in a lot of fundamental ways, it sounds like the challenges you just spoke of, you know, dealing with young people, uh, and that you cannot hover over them 24-7, you cannot, you have no control over what they're going to do during the hours of the day when they're not in your classroom. It, it sounds like, uh, you know, dealing with that challenge with, 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 with your young students is similar to what, say, major league managers are dealing with right now with their players. And that, yes, there's some protocol that they're practicing on the field and in the clubhouse, but they're not in the clubhouse 24-7. And, That's and, and, a perfect and, analogy. Perfect analogy. And, and unfortunately, what, what happened in Florida well, with the Florida Mar- Marlins is a textbook example of what can happen in, in its worst extreme, and we hope none of that happens in, in any environment. But it's a, it's, again, it's, it's a diff, this is uncharted waters. It, it really is because of the fact that you can do everything, and probably the NBA and the NHL with their bubbles mm-hmm. have done about as much as any sports league could do to provide that kind of protection, mm-hmm. and but there are still no guarantees. That's that's just it. We're dealing with something that we have never experienced before, and the journey that we're all on with this thing. Uh, you know, so many predictions were initially because that's what the thought was with this virus. So many predictions were that when we got into the warm or the hot summer months, that this virus could not stand up against those extremely hot temperatures. Well, we found that that's not necessarily true. Mm-hmm. And uh, our state, certainly in the month of July, 
has had uh, just an immense exponential increase in the numbers of cases. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, it, the, the thing that you just have to do is you lay it out, you lay out the protocols, and you stress as much as possible what you have to do to not just take care of yourself, but re- be respectful of the other people around you because of what you could cause if you don't take care of yourself. And, and that's what we, we, we're very much in the same type of, of situation as I think uh, certainly we're seeing with college football right now. We've got so many of the Power Five conferences that are saying, okay, even if it's conference only, we're going to try to get in at least nine to ten games here in, in this college football season. Well, nobody knows that that's actually going to be able to happen. Yeah. Because if you suddenly have uh, ten people – on a team that suddenly catches this virus, uh, almost everybody's going to have to quarantine. Yeah, because un- unlike baseball, baseball, you know, and I hadn't thought of this. I heard an interview with a sports commentator uh, the other day. He said it very well. Baseball, once the game is played, baseball sort of practices social distancing because the fielders are spread out on the field. And even when there's a runner on base, except for when the pitcher throws the ball to first base, the base runner usually takes about 10 or 12 steps off the base. And so there is some social distancing going on, whereas with football, whether on the collegiate level or on the pro level, it is up close and personal. There's grunting, and even with all the protection, you're really at risk. Yeah, unless the Astros and the Dodgers choose to get into a brawl, as they do. <laughs> but but really, but you're you're right about that though. It's one of those things, and I, and I, they're dealing with this in in our state. Uh, of course, California has decided that uh, high school sports are not going to be played yeah. in the fall. Ours are going forward, but I, I know that there are many many parents that are very nervous about this because contact sports and what ultimately could be the back-end result of somebody contracting coronavirus, testing positive, and then, and then all of a sudden you, you contaminate the rest of the people on your team. Uh, and, and then if that happens with the athletes, then how does that affect the rest of the school? in the process. So there are so many moving parts, and I know that's a cliche now to say that. There's so many moving parts of all of this that everything really that you do that is active is rolling the dice. And it's it, it does make a lot of people nervous. And I, and I I cannot begin to tell you that I'm not a little bit skittish about us bringing students back yeah. uh, because it you just know there is not a 100% guarantee that everything's going to be all right. And we'll pick up that thread on the other side of the break. Steve Beverly, communications professor at Union University in Jackson, Tennessee, is our guest this segment. We are talking about the challenges of teaching TV news journalism in a COVID-19 environment. We'll take a quick time out. Talk some more, Steve, when we come back on TV Confidential. An adult elephant can weigh up to six tons. The average person, 150 pounds. Ever heard of carfentanil? It's a large wild animal tranquilizer. Illegal drug dealers lace heroin with it. It can kill the average human. If you or a loved one is addicted to opiates, even pain pills, 
Don't wait until it's too late. Call the Detox and Treatment Helpline now. We care. Many of us have been where you are. We'll take you or a loved one away from the drug environment to a place you can clean out safely. Plus, we'll work with your insurance company to make sure you get the treatment you need. And with a Family Medical Leave Act, you're allowed by law to get away for help without telling your employer why. Call now to save a life. 866-490-3991-866-490-3991-866-490-3991. Alexa users, you can now listen to TV Confidential on your smart speaker by just saying, Alexa, play TV Confidential. Enabling our Alexa skill is easy. To find out how, go to televisionconfidential.com slash Alexa. Be part of our conversation. If you like what you hear, have thoughts on this week's program, or have an idea for a future edition of TV Confidential, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at talk at tvconfidential.net, talk at tvconfidential.net. You can also message us at facebook.com forward slash TV Confidential, x.com forward slash TV Confidential, or at TV Confidential on Instagram. And if you're listening to us on the TV Confidential podcast, please be sure to hit the subscribe button. This portion of TV Confidential is brought to us by our friends at Front Porch Realty, the community of realtors in the Northern Bay area of California that is committed to finding the solution that is best for their clients. Whether you're a first-time home buyer or looking to sell or lease your property in Northern California, call Karen Strain at 415-886-7411 or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com for more information on how they can help you.